0: Hey and welcome friends to episode number 46 of the Audit Bites podcast where we help you unleash your audit potential. You can catch past episodes like the one we did titled Our Auditors Imposters Imposter Syndrome for Auditors on your favorite podcasting platforms also on LinkedIn on YouTube or on our website thatauditguide.com. Now today, today is episode number 46. Wow, it's a lot of episodes, isn't it? Today is episode number 46. And what we're going to talk about today is why auditors must stop auditing after the fact. Stop auditing after the fact. Now, let's get into it. Did you know that as of June 2023, it has been reported that in the U.S. we have potentially lost over $280 billion in emergency aid that was aimed at helping people during the pandemic. As a matter of fact, this money has been swiped up by scammers and swindlers. And it is also being reported that there has been an additional One hundred and twenty three billion dollars that is estimated to have been wasted or misspent. And now after all of this has occurred, auditors are coming in to, quote unquote, help and to determine the impact. Now, my question is, what could we have done to prevent this nonsense? And so as I start off every show, here's my question for today, for everyone. Do you wish that you could be a better predictor and responder to risk? Do you wish that you could better predict and respond to risk? I'm sure we all do, right? Don't we all wish that sometimes we had this magic wand that we could wave, that could tell us when we were about to face trouble? Don't we all wish that there were certain things that we could do before trouble actually occurred to stop something bad from happening? So that's my question for you all for today. Now, while I'm giving individuals an opportunity to type answers into the chat, let's talk about the sponsor. For today's episode now the sponsor is none o- none other than my company that audit guy but let's talk about it for one minute because a lot of you think that we just do podcast and training but the vision of that audit guy is to create a world where auditors stop checking the box and start helping to drive exceptional business outcomes now I know that's a lofty vision but our mission is to provide auditing assurance, and training services that optimize company performance through who? You all as auditors. And we do that by offering four different services, four different services. One is recruiting. Yeah, we offer recruiting services where we connect organizations with auditors who prote- who possess expertise needed to deliver outstanding results. We're different from other recruiting firms because, well, we <laughs> actually are auditors And we have a flat fee structure. You want to know about it? Call me. The second thing we do is we have cutting-edge courses that cover auditing best practices. And by doing those courses, we equip auditors with the tools necessary to drive exceptional business outcomes. The third thing we do is we have co-sourced and/or outsourced assurance services, internal audits, business process reviews, etc. Now, what those do is they provide companies with Well, peace of mind and a clear understanding of organizational risk and opportunities. And the fourth thing we do is we believe in sharing knowledge and promoting continuous learning. So our thought leadership publications and podcasts serve as valuable educational resources for auditing professionals. So now, 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 back to the question at hand for today. Do you wish that you could be a better predictor and responder to risk? Do you wish that you could better predict and respond to risk? Well, that's exactly what we're gonna talk about today in episode number 46, stop auditing after the fact. You know, a lot of times our clients accuse us of doing that. There are a lot of things that they say about us. They say that we come in and bayonet the wounded. You've heard these terms before. So how can we be more proactive in our approach with clients? How can we be more proactive in our approach with clients? Well, let's talk about it. As I mentioned a few minutes ago, hundreds of billions of dollars have fallen into the hands of fraudsters in the US, and auditors are now reviewing the aftermath to help prevent it in the future. So what are we really talking about here? Let me give you some background. During the pandemic, the government established a few relief programs to aid small businesses. The relief initiatives in question are the Paycheck Protection Program and the Economic Injury Disaster Loan Program. That's a lot. So we're just going to call it the EIDL. Their purpose was to provide financial support to struggling businesses to mitigate the economic impact of the pandemic. However, recent estimates from federal watchdogs have raised concerns about the vulnerability of these programs to fraudsters, especially in the early stages. You see, if we catch things in the early stages, we minimize the long-term impact. So check this out. According to the U.S. Small Business Administration, according to the U.S.'s Small Business Administration Inspector General, that's just their auditor. That's another term for the auditor, right? Approximately 17% of all funds dispersed through these programs have been given to potential fraudsters. So almost a quarter of the funds dispersed have been given to fraudsters. Their report estimates that over one hundred and thirty six billion dollars in one program and sixty four billion in the other program have been wasted. That's a lot of money wasted. Now, these numbers were significantly higher than previous estimates. So what that means is every time we turn around, the estimate is getting bigger and bigger. The report by the Watchdog Group has been met with disagreement. So, of course, they disagreed with it. But here's what they disagreed with. Senior Small Business Administration officials are disputing the findings. Well, not really the findings, though. They're citing flaws in the methodology used and emphasizing the efforts made to protect against fraud well, do we really care about the efforts that they've made if the impact has been this big so far? Because those efforts probably didn't work. So here's what I say. Those discrepancies still underscore the fact that there's still a significant issue, but the potential impact of the thefts extends far beyond the financial loss. It has been found recently that this fraudulent activity in these relief programs have also contributed to inflated housing prices and increased consumer spending. You see, what we did is we poured money into the economy. So a lot of people had disposable income. So they started buying things that they wouldn't otherwise buy. Now, if millions of dollars were put in the hands of fraudsters, of course, they're buying overinflated the economy and also contributed to the transportation and logistics problem that we had. So the impact of fraud extends well beyond the dollar amounts that we see. The impact of fraud extends well beyond the dollar amounts that we see. By the way, there's the article right there. The title of it, The Great Grift, More Than 200 Billion in COVID-19 Aid May Have Been Stolen, Says a Federal Watchdog. Now that's amazing. It's truly amazing. So so, as internal auditors, we must recognize the impact of these findings. You see, they underscore the need for us to reassess our audit approaches when it comes to evaluating risk processes and controls and the way that we actually communicate them with our clients. Now, I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, how in the world can internal auditors be responsible for pandemic fraud? But my friends, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that we're responsible. So let's talk about some additional recent events and how internal auditors could have helped steer and guide conversations and subsequent actions in a different direction. There's an article produced by WirePoints.org. It came out on July the 7th. The title of the article is, well, The Latest Pandemic Assistance Fiasco, Shoddy Accounting and Records at the Illinois Unemployment Trust Fund. You see, what should have been a lifeline for those in need quickly turned into a historic Financial scandal. According to the article, shoddy accounting and a lack of controls resulted in staggering losses and raised serious concerns about the accountability in the Unemployment Trust Fund in the state of Illinois. So, now for my international listeners, in the US, we have 50 states. Each of those states has the ability to govern separate from the federal government under certain guidelines. Illinois is one of our 50 states. Illinois had an unemployment fund, which is money that can be dispersed to individuals who lose their job when they need money to tide them over until they find a job. So now we have problems in this fund, and it was found by external auditors doing an audit of the financial statements. Here's what they found. One of the key issues that emerged was there was a failure to implement technology controls over these funds. So there was a failure to implement technology controls. And we're just now finding this out. This oversight created vulnerabilities that allowed fraudulent activity to thrive, thus undermining the very purpose of the relief program. So the shoddy accounting was one issue. In addition to inadequate maintenance of pandemic assistance claimant data. So in addition, there was inadequate maintenance of pandemic assistance claimant data, data integrity. So that was our second issue that we had, data integrity concerns. But it didn't stop there. It didn't stop there. We also had poor controls over financial reporting. You see, this recent audit said that the accuracy of the numbers found that they were one hundred and sixteen million dollars off base for the year ending June of 2022. Now, this followed up from a previous report saying that there was probably $2 billion that may have been, well, fraudulently obtained and spent. Now, there is some good news here. There is some good news. The good news is the state of Illinois has taken steps to extend its statute of limitations the time that it can pursue criminals so that they can go and find them. You see, in the U.S., you have a certain amount of time within which you can pursue criminals. After that point in time, you can no longer bring them to the court of law. So the state of Illinois has extended the time period to find these individuals. Now, here's the problem, though. Here's the problem. We have limited enforcement resources and unreliable records. So that means we're going to have to spend more money in order to bring criminals to justice. Now, I think that this is a bad thing when we possibly could have prevented all of this stuff from happening to begin with, right? So I think this is a bad thing when we could have prevented all of this bad stuff from happening to begin with. So, so, So here we are talking about why auditors should stop auditing after the fact. And in the state of Illinois, we have billions of dollars missing. The issues were shoddy accounting, data integrity concerns, and well, the numbers weren't adding up in the financial statements. But you know what? This isn't new. If you've ever listened to my other podcast, The Friday Fraudster where friends discuss fraud on Fridays, right? Episode number two, way back in 2020, the title of it was COVID Crimes. And in that episode, we talked about another one of our states, Colorado. And in a news story from their local newspaper, the Denver Post, which was dated March 16th of 2021, the title of the article, well, it said it all, it said that audit finds massive deficiencies in Colorado Labor department's management of unemployment funds. You see the state auditor said that the part said that the department's books were so bad that they couldn't determine the extent of the loss and if you want to take a look, there's that article right there. there's the article. It got even worse. A spokesperson said, and I quote. They could not provide documentation, and as auditors, it is trust but verify. If you could not verify it, you could not trust it, and we could not verify it. And while everyone understands that these were unprecedented times, some things done in the state of Denver may have actually contributed to making the problem worse. Let me give you an example. This article also states that the governor issued an executive order that required the department to forego its usual verifications on claims, meaning they didn't have to check for identification and verify that people needed, that people, that the legitimate people were receiving the money. Now, think about that. They didn't have to check that people were qualified to receive funds so you see the governor wrote the order so that he could get the money in the hands of the people quicker but what he did was he lowered the internal controls that should have been in place <sighs> now in a most in a recent audit the auditors gave the unemployment insurance fund the lowest possible rating that you can receive in a financial audit. So because the governor said we no longer need to check for IDs because we want to get the money into the hands of the people faster, this allowed an unprecedented amount of fraud to occur. Now, I know what you're probably thinking. Why am I talking about this in terms of internal auditors? Why? Because why didn't we speak up? You see, we started auditing after the fact. But where were we in the beginning raising our hands, trying to notify him of the potential consequence? Now, granted, granted, he may have still done the same thing. But where were the audit reports and the auditors saying, listen, Governor, this is not a good idea. And here's a potential consequence of lowering our standards. You see, oftentimes as auditors, we are afraid to speak up. We are afraid to sound the alarm. We don't want to be seen as the naysayers in every situation. But I can tell you by alerting people of potential dangers early on, We help prevent problems in the future. So if we continue auditing after the fact, we will cost our corporations money, time, and their reputation. And your reputation takes an extremely hard hit. An extremely hard hit. But again, I do understand we don't want to be seen as the The Boy Who Cried Wolf. You know, we all read that story as a kid. So what we're going to talk about today are three dangers of auditing after the fact. And then we're going to talk about three things that we can do so that we're not caught in a situation where we could have and should have said something, but we didn't. But before we go there, I want to ask you all a question. Who likes giveaways? Let's get ready for a giveaway. If you would like to win a prize at the end of this podcast episode, potentially win a prize, drop the hashtag that audit guy into the chat. Drop the hashtag that audit guy into the chat for a chance to win a prize. The prize this week is going to be the mug that you see this young lady holding right here. As a matter of fact, it's a very nice mug. It's a very nice mug it says i love audit for those of you listening on podcast platforms so if you would like to be entered into the drawing enter that audit guy into the chat back to our regularly scheduled program oh you know what before we get back to our regularly scheduled program i have another special announcement for you guys listen We all know that finding quality training is very difficult. Here's what most of us do. We go to conferences. We sit in cold rooms next to people that we don't have any connection and contact with and or to. We hear somebody talk for about an hour, and then we answer questions in the last five minutes. I don't know about you all, but that's a terrible way to train it needs to change and that is what we at that audit guy aim to do so next year starting in january we have a slate of quarterly trainings designed to help you become awesome so let's talk about what some of those things are so in january of 2024 we're going to have two courses that are two hours each for four total hours. The first one is Understanding Auditor Personalities. What we're gonna talk about are the personality types of various auditors. And we're gonna take out the good and learn how to amplify that. We're gonna take the bad and learn how to suppress that. The next course we're gonna have is Understanding the Clients You Encounter. Now what that one is all about is taking a look at some of the clients and their personalities so that we can learn how to take the good again and enhance that and take the bad and, well, (laughs) learn how to handle badly acting clients. In February, we're gonna talk about the importance of audit planning as well as how to fine tune your field work. And in March, March is gonna be very interesting because we're gonna talk about auditing your ethics. Now, this isn't your regular ethics course. What this is, is a case study on what to do when you face a potentially ethical situation. When you face an ethics issue, we're going to talk about decision points you can make to help out. The next thing we're going to talk about is quick thinking with audit clients. You see, oftentimes we are placed in positions where we aren't sure of all of the information. And we need to learn how to think quick on our feet with audit clients. That is what this entire course is about and to top it off in march overcoming imposter syndrome for auditors now here's what i want to tell you this is january through march of next year and right now we're offering special pricing dm me if you want to know what the special pricing is because the regular price Is going to be at a minimum $250. However, you get 14 hours of CPE. And here's the part that I didn't mention it's not gonna be just these one way webinars you see everyone doing where you get no value. These are gonna be one hour and a half of presentation and then 30 minutes of group coaching and mentoring because that is what our profession is missing. And since no one else wants to change it, that is what we at That Audit Guy are going to do. We are going to change that. You will also have access to a private WhatsApp group where we will communicate with one another on a regular basis. You see, the old way that we do training needs to end. And I plan to be the person that it. So message me on LinkedIn or go to my website, fill out the contact form, and will give you some information so that you can start next year off right so now the other thing i mentioned was if you would like to participate in a giveaway today type hashtag that audit guy no spaces into the chat heather good to see you here my friend good to see you here always good to see you here clarence clarence says this is great information You guys, if you missed last week's episode of the Friday Froster, Clarence was a guest host. Which brings me to another special announcement. I wasn't going to make this announcement, but let's go ahead and do it, Clarence. If you've noticed on that Friday show, we've now been rotating a lot of guest hosts. But here's the other thing that we're going to do. If you are a guest host on that show, you will get CPE credit. So you have the chance to get 30 minutes to about an hour's worth. Of credit for participating in the live podcast. The other thing is you get exposure to other auditing professionals. Clarence, I'm sure some of your friends have talked to you about your appearance on the episode, because we're going to bring you back as well. Heather, I know I've already talked to you and you said you're willing to be a special guest. Are you open this week, Heather? If so, I'll send you the information. But we're giving CPEs to those who appear on the Friday Froster as a special guest. So I think it's a great opportunity for auditors. Again, you get to improve your communication skills. You get to collaborate and communicate with auditors across the world, and they get to hear you. And if they watch the replay, they get to see you. So that's going to be fun, 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 fun. Now, Marsha says these sound interesting and can be applied to a lot of industries. Exactly. That is the whole point, Marsha. You know, in all the years that I've been in this profession, we teach auditors a lot of technical skills, but from what I've found is collaboration, communication, mentoring, and management are the skills that we actually miss the most. Those are the things that we really need the most of. Okay, okay, okay. So now, let's get back to our regularly scheduled program. We were talking about why auditors must stop auditing after the fact. So let's talk about the dangers of auditing after the fact. And the first one is we have missed opportunities to prevent damage. Oftentimes, the answers that we need are right in front of us, but we remain silent and we miss opportunities to prevent damage. If you're just joining us, I talked earlier about in the U.S., the state of Colorado, their governor, issued an order that told an office to stop asking for identification for people who were going to receive money from the government. Now, he told them to do it temporarily because we were in a crisis, but boy, that was a bad idea because now it's estimated that that state has lost billions of dollars to fraud. So was the cost of getting the money into the hands of the citizens faster worth the benefit of? of now losing out on billions of dollars that can no longer be replaced. I don't think it was. So when we don't act and we wait to audit after the fact, we miss opportunities to prevent damage. The other thing we have, though, is we actually have additional expenses to the organization. We mentioned earlier that the state of Illinois is now going to go after these fraudsters well, you got to pay your fraud investigators. You got to pay your data analysts who are going to go through and sift through the data. So now you have to pay in order to find the fraudsters. Now, granted, you may be able to recoup some of the money because maybe they hadn't spent it all, or maybe you can take possession of the property that they purchased and then resell it at auction. But now you got to pay the auctioneers to run the auctions. You got to pay to have the inventory stored. The cost of detection is way greater than the cost of prevention. Don't don't you guys think so? Like, I, I think so. So what if we raise our hand and people say, oh, here the auditor's bringing up bad news again. So? Oh, Heather says she's on PTO this Friday. Who told you you could take vacation? Auditors don't. Let me stop joking. Auditors don't take vacation. No, I I am just joking. With that said, we're looking for a few people to be guest hosts this week on the Friday Fraudster podcast. If you would like to be a guest host, message me on LinkedIn. Now, Marsha says, is it worth the money to go after them or count that as a loss? You know, you bring up a good point. So it's really interesting how two different states are handling it differently. Marsha, the state of Denver has said we're not going to go after them. The state of Illinois has said we are. So it begs the question, and I think there's some decisions that leaders have to make. Look at how much money you're going after and how much it's going to cost you. And also, what would your reputation look like in the eyes of your citizens Sometimes your citizens want to see people brought to justice regardless of the cost. If you're going after hundreds of billions of dollars, it may be worth it to spend a few extra million. If you're only going after a few million, it may not be worth it to spend a few million. So, yeah, that's a good question. Good point. Good thought process. I think that's something that every state is going to have to answer for individually. But but that brings us to our third danger of auditing after the fact. You could have potential legal problems. I mean, people are going to sue, don't you think? I imagine at some point, taxpayers are going to get fed up and they're going to start suing for improper use of funds or not adequately protecting our tax dollars. I imagine at some point, somebody is going to sue. All right, all right, all right, all right. So, so now, now, Those are the dangers of auditing after the fact. What can we do? What can we do? You see, we need to try to be more proactive. So how can we get clients to actively open up to us in our organizations so that we can be on the front lines with them instead of auditing After the fact, we're going to talk about three things that we can do to do that. Now, obviously, there are more than just three things, but my goodness, we try to keep this to 30 or 45 minutes. So we're going to talk about three things that we can possibly do. By the way, if you're just joining us and you would like to have your name entered into a drawing to win a beautiful mug like this that says, I love audit, drop the hashtag that audit guy into the chat and your name will be placed in the raffle. Oh, you know what? While I'm here, I got another announcement to make. How would you guys like to receive CPE for listening to this podcast? Free CPE. Anyway, let me just hold the, let me not hold the suspense any longer. Coming up pretty soon. If you listen to the live broadcast and participate, you will get CPE, free CPE, for listening to the live broadcast either on LinkedIn or on YouTube or on our website. Now, notice I said live because if you catch the replay, you're going to have to pay. But if you listen live and interact and engage with others, you will get free CPE. Oh, yeah, Marsha brings up another good point. Comply with their code of ethics and mission statement where auditing processes are concerned. Yeah, you got to comply. Geez, some of us don't believe in complying. (laughs) So, okay, okay. Three things that we can do to get our organizations on board with having us help them in the beginning instead of, well, at the end. The first one is to engage in ongoing dialogue. You see, a big part of the problem is that our clients don't see us until it's time for an audit, and if they don't see us, they don't really know us. And if they don't know us, they aren't going to trust us. And if they don't trust us, they aren't really going to open up and talk to us and they aren't going to want to collaborate with us. So if we have ongoing dialogue with our clients, We're seen more as a partner. We're seen more as human because some of us don't. Some of them don't think that we're human and they may start to talk more openly with us about things, even outside of audit engagements. In my career, I've had clients just call me up and say, hey, Rob, we we're thinking about doing this, but we want you to take a look first. That's been my experience because I talk to my clients outside of audits. I actually like my clients. So that's the first thing we can do, is engage in ongoing dialogue. You see, if we don't have ongoing dialogue with them, that's our fault, not theirs. We should be reaching out to them. The second thing we can do is communicate the benefits of proactive auditing. If you have practical examples of how you've audited things before something has happened and it's helped to create a better outcome talk about those things with your clients maybe you've helped with cost savings maybe you've helped to protect the reputation of the organization either way explain how proactive auditing well it aligns with the organization's goals and objectives your clients aren't going to want to change if they don't see a benefit for them why would they would you change something if there's no benefit for you. And now the third thing, the third thing that we can do is offer open training sessions. Now, listen, auditors, don't be selfish. I'm not talking about asking your clients to come to training sessions on auditing topics or techniques. Let me give you an example of what I mean. Right now, cybersecurity is a big topic. So if we invited someone in to talk about cybersecurity, As a global topic to our internal auditing department. Why would we not bring our clients in as well? Because that's a topic that affects them as well. When we do things like that, we're actually seen as partners. When we pay for stuff like that out of our own budgets, they see that we have skin in the game. And you know what else happens? Magic starts to happen. I've actually been to trainings with my clients. Training on topics within their industry. I remember I worked for one university and I went to training with the housing director on housing operations. Isn't that interesting? But that only happened because, well, I engaged in open dialogue with them on a regular basis. I communicated the benefits of having us involved with them in their operations in the beginning and, well, We offer training sessions to them. So oftentimes we audit after the fact. I'm here to say that that's a losing proposition. We do better auditing before the time something happens. Now, Pierre is here and he says, not interested in the CPE, but the mug suits me just fine. You know what? Listen, Pierre. If you would like to have a chance to win the mug, drop the hashtag thatauditguy into the chat because we're about to do the raffle for the giveaway in just a few moments. And if you don't win, you can go to my website, thatauditguy.com, and you can find this mug along with shirts, hats, and everything audit related because I actually do love audit. I do agree with you, Pierre. It is always a challenge to communicate the benefits 100% but who said our job was easy? I remember I had one client that I actually worked on. And when I say worked on, attempted to establish a good working relationship. I attempted to work. I attempted to establish a good relationship with him for over a year. And then something happened and we were there. And then all of a sudden he trusted us (laughs) for over a year. I would go visit him. Hey man, how you doing? He would give me this look. Eh, you're here. I'm okay. For over a year, I would stop by his office, send him emails, you know, have meetings. And you could tell he didn't really trust us. And then at some point, I guess after seeing this face for so long, you couldn't help but like it. (laughs) Oh, oh, boy, that that was that, that was really a joke. But but no, in all seriousness, you become familiar with people and your guard starts to let down. Now, now. When they do let down their guard, it's up to us to not abuse that trust. So I'm not saying get people to let down their guard so that you can manipulate abuse. No, that's crazy. That's crazy. Now, Marsha says, partnering with your clients and keeping them in the loop with new innovations and processes is beneficial and allows them to see that you are looking out for their interest and a team player. Right? We're all on the same team. But our behavior makes it look like we aren't. And I think while we can't control our clients' reactions and communications, we can control ours. But oftentimes what we do is we sit in a bubble and we blame them. Our clients are bad. Our clients don't like us. And we've not even put out the effort. Like I said a minute ago, it took me over a year to get one client to actually trust me. A year. That was painful because, you know, you sit there and you start to think, why don't they like me? What did I do? It's never personal. It's not personal. It is not personal. Ah, Rima's here. Hey, Rima. Rima says, although I'm not an auditor and then she puts yet in question in, in, in parentheses with the question mark. There's so much that resonates with compliance work and also so much I always learn here. Yeah, I've already told you, auditors and compliance folks and fraud investigators, we're family. We're extended family. Um, The jobs are very, very, very similar. So we're all extended family. Now, Rima, if you want a chance to win a mug, hashtag that audit guy in the chat because we're about (laughs) to have the giveaway. We are about to have the giveaway. Give me just one moment here to set things up because since I am an auditor, we like to be fair with things here. And so in order to have the giveaway, what we do is we use software that allows us to do the giveaway and it picks a name at random. It picks a name at random. And so You're going to have to give me just one moment to actually set that up, my friends. You're going to have to give me a moment to set that up. Oh, wait a minute. I think I may have messed something up here. No worries. We're still going to have the giveaway, obviously. I mean, just displaying it for you all. Now, here we go. I'm quite the talented person, right? I'm talking to you all on screen. I'm moving the presentation deck. I'm doing the giveaway. I'm answering questions in the chat. (laughs) Oh, there may be a future in broadcast for me. There may be a future in broadcasting for me. Who is that? Oh, that was Rima. Hey, Rima, I'm going to ask you to do it again without the smiley face so that you can be entered into the drawing. And I'm going to hesitate for just one moment to give you a chance to get that last entry in, to get that last entry in. All right. <laughs> Marshall, what did I do or say that was funny? Um, all right. So let's get ready to do our giveaway. Let's get ready to do our giveaway. That number always throws me off because there's there's usually more than what's shown. Anyway, let's draw it. Shifundu, where'd you come from, man? I didn't see you. Shifundu came in at the last minute. Marsha is the winner. Now, Marsha, here's what I'm going to do. Send me a message on LinkedIn. I'm going to send you a coupon code. And that coupon is going to allow you to purchase your mug and you can have it shipped wherever you want it shipped. Oh, I see you were laughing when I said there's a future for me in broadcasting. Well, don't you think so? I mean, I I think there is. My man Shafundu is here. Hey, man, I hope you listen to the program. You know, if if not, you can go back and catch the replay on your favorite podcasting platform. You've listened to it on Apple before, I think. We need to catch up at some point soon, too, because you've been at the new job for a little while now. I just want to know how it's going. I'm happy for you, and I want to know how it's going. You joined late. How dare you, man? How dare (laughs) you? You you know what? You missed a lot of good stuff. I'm going to need you to go back and listen to the episode, man. I just announced some new CPE opportunities coming up in 2024 that are unlike anything else that anybody else is offering. So you need to take a listen to those. So look, we've had a good time today on episode number 46 of Audit Bites, talking about why auditors need to stop auditing after the fact. We talked about some new CPE opportunities. We gave away some prizes. We had a few other surprises. If you like this episode, tell your friends. If you need training for your auditors, give me a call. Look out for the Friday Fraudster every Friday at 2 p.m. Central Standard Time. This Friday is going to be a really fun episode. We're going to, the title of that episode is Account for the money. I also want to invite you to the next episode of Audit Bites. This is going to be my favorite episode of the year. The title is Board Governance Gone Wrong. Board Governance Gone Wrong. We're going to talk about when a board, well, doesn't necessarily do what it's supposed to do and it oversteps its bounds. It oversteps its boundaries. So we're going to talk about what happens when that happens. So Thank you all for joining me on episode 46. See you next time.